Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Paul. Wonderful. How are you? Super. So jumping right in um, to decision making, have you heard or are you familiar with the four different styles of decision making? Yes, sure have. Yep. So just to clarify, um, the command, which this was the command was I understood the command uh, style that you're just ultimately going to make the decision. Um, and th what threw me was the collaboration style where um, it suggests that the definition that we're using is that you are uh, you as the leader are going to take into account other people's opinions. But ultimately, you're going to be the decision maker, mm -hmm. which which then leads to the third one, which is consensus, which is obvious. To, well, it was that was apparent to me that consensus um, was majority rules. Right. So if you have four people and three of them want to do one thing and you want to do it the other way, but you're willing to um, adhere to the consensus uh, majority rules. Um, so the, you know, three people want to do something and, and you're the odd man out, but you go along, you're right. Didn't compromise your vision or your values. Mm -hmm. And then the la the last one, uh, was convenience where you're just basically apathetic. You really don't care. Just do whatever you want to do, which I, I choose to hear that not as empowerment, by the way, I choose to hear that. Uh, the, the lens that I'm looking through that is just, um, it's, it's just not that substantial to me. It doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want to do. So okay. using that as the four definitions um, of the four styles of decision-making, what jumps off the, uh, what, as you thought about it, what strikes you? Uh, so I think the first thing that jumped out at me was all of these have merit at one time or another. Mm -hmm. And the, the word, um, which has been living in my life recently, anyway, uh, discernment came to mind. Hmm. And that, and the reason that came to mind is the discernment of a leader to be able to know when it's appropriate to use each of these, because each are appropriate at the right time. Mm -hmm. And having the discernment to know when to make a command decision or when to use consensus or convenience those are, that's really, I think, where the magic lies. Yeah. So jumping in uh, to that, um, from a leadership standpoint, um, when a command, and this is the first thought that's coming to mind, for a command decision, um, what, when a command decision actually needs to be made uh, in the leader, in the leader uh, hesitates to make that command decision what do you think's going on uh, in their mind could be a variety of things but i would uh if i was um guessing i would say it probably lies mostly in insecurity about their preparedness to make the choice you know i'm, I'm afraid i'll get it wrong so i'm afraid to make i'm afraid to move there's some fear or insecurity around the decision being made mm -hmm. maybe they need mm -hmm. more information or think they need more information I remember somebody telling me when I was new to business, get used to making choices with 60% of the information you want to have, because that's all you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And that was very disconcerting as a young business owner to, 
and a, and a, and a perfectionist because I always wanted all the data, give me all the data and then I'll choose. And uh, business just doesn't work that way. So I think the hesitance usually lies in a feeling of insecurity or fear that uh, they're about to make a wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking a, a, another, additionally, it, it could be that I don't want to be the sole responsible party, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm collaborating or I'm building consensus, um, then I'm not putting a big bullseye on my back necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. sometimes, sometimes when you're making, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? When you're making decisions, and I know this sounds so arrogant, but when you're making decisions all day, um, and you know some are right, some are wrong. One thing is you get worn out from making decisions, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you make a decision, which I do frequently, that are wrong, then I take a I take a shot for that. And it's funny as I'm as I'm rambling about this, I'm thinking about one of the toughest decisions at the end of the day, like for date night for my wife and I is she'll say, where do you want to go to eat? And I'll say, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't make one more decision. Like it's a, the thought of making a decision, another decision is absolutely exhausting. No, you're and right. You, and even one is, even one as minor as choosing a place to eat. We're afraid the rest of the group might be disappointed. So I'm reminded of a conversation. We were on vacation with uh, my daughter, Rebecca and her husband. And um, yeah, I was driving and we're in the car and I said, let's get something to eat. Where do you guys want to eat? Well, you're familiar with this conversation. I'm sure everybody is. Yeah. Uh, my lovely wife, Laura, of course, who wants everybody to be happy, says, doesn't matter to me. I just pick a place. And my son-in-law says, I don't care, whatever you guys want. And Rebecca says very definitively, let's go here. And I kind of chuckled and I said, thank you for doing that. She said, well, you know, if I say I don't care, then I'm wishy-washy and uh, indecisive. If I say let's go here, then I'm bossy. She goes, so I'll just take bossy and let's go there and eat. And I got a good laugh out of that. And I wonder how often hesitance to make decisions comes from that. I'm afraid to be labeled as bossy Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, always wanting my way because someone could easily look at her and say, well, I, you you just want to eat where you want to eat. But um, I think some of it, probably the flip side of that then probably lies in, well, if I pick a place to eat and you don't like it, you're going to hold me accountable for that or you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And and that's such a minor choice, but I bet that, I bet that extrapolates out to other bigger choices that uh, we and our teams make throughout the day. For sure. Do you think if you, um, if leaders, if leaders asked their team, all right, their, their employees, their subs, the, those that are in their charge, if a leader asked um, or their family or their friends, hey, do you see me making more? Uh, what, what type of decisions do you see me making more? Do you see me making command decisions, collaborative decisions, mm. consensus, consensus decisions or convenience decisions? Do you mm. think? Do you think many of us might be surprised at the results, the response of those questions? Gosh, Jerry, that is a great question. And, and one that I'm going to find the answer out because I'm inspired to find out <laughs> and, wow. and ask my team that question. Cause I think that's a, 
That's a really great question to ask. And I bet it just varies by the leader, you know, what their personal comfort style is for uh, asking and getting those and or just making decisions in general. Probably their personality type is going to drive that quite a bit. Mm, interesting. So I don't know if there's a way to say, uh, you know, leaders tend to make this kind of decision. This probably depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And, and, and possibly um, considering the, um, the people that you're asking. So, um, mm-hmm. and I guess the subject matter as well, which I guess that filters into discernment, doesn't it? Well, and I think, so the magic there would be to ask more than one person, right? Because maybe you behave differently with different people. Maybe there are some people you trust more than others uh, to make cho- good choices, and therefore you're more collaborative with them. Uh, and other people, maybe you, maybe they're less experienced or you just haven't built a trust relationship with them. So you mm-hmm. tend to make command decisions for them. I think that another powerful thing is you asked that and then you were, we were just, as I was talking and thinking at the same time, which is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I started thinking how important it would be to go into, especially a group meeting, but even a one-on-one discussion about a decision and be very upfront about what you're going to do. So in other words, if I came to you and said, hey, Jerry, I'm ultimately gonna make the choice about this, but I would like your input. So let's have Absolutely. a collaborative, let's have a collaborative decision uh, because it could be, um, I think it could be um, destructive to a relationship if you give the impression that you're having a uh, consensus decision, you're making a consensus decision with somebody and then you disagree and you say, well, I'm doing what I want anyway. Mm-hmm. It would be smarter to go into that discussion and say, hey, ultimately I'm gonna choose and I may disagree with you and do the opposite of what you say, but your opinion matters to me. So can I get your feedback? And that way when you say, okay, thanks, but I'm still gonna do what I think, then the person at least understood that going in and they, did, they weren't under some false guise of it being a consensus. For sure. Yeah. How many times has that happened in your career where um, an employee, a vendor, family member, a friend comes back and, and shares with you how discouraged they are because you spent the time to ask them their opinion and then you didn't follow through on their uh, advice or recommendation? That mm-hmm. is that is really, really powerful. Yeah, it usually comes back to us in the form of, you never listened to me. And as the leader, you may be thinking, I do listen. I listened very intently to your opinion. I just disagreed with it. I've actually said that phrase to people myself as I'm sitting here saying it. Yeah. And so if I I had been more clear up front, I'm going to listen to your opinion and I may change my mind, but ultimately I'm making the decision with or without, you know, regardless of what it may go against your opinion and you're, they're very clear about that. Then I think the impact would be real different. Yeah. So obviously from, you know, just taking one of these like command, for instance, um, if I said to you, Paul, give me some examples of when leaders should be making command decisions and let's take safety off the table. Right. So obviously Mm -hmm. if there's some, if there's a safety issue, um, then obviously then that that requires you know the building's on fire we're not we're not right we're commanding get out of the building um so give me some 
uh, kind of walk me through some ideas or share with me some thoughts of when a command decision is warranted by a leader? So there, there are places, the first thing that comes to mind for me is there are places in the business where the leader has vision where others do not. And it's not, not a lack of intelligence. It's not a, um, you know, people aren't smart enough or, or good enough to make the decision. They just lack the vision to have the context to be able to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are places where I think the leader owns the vision or should be very, very clear about the vision of, and, and mission and where they're going. That at times a leader has to make choices that drive the organization in that direction when the team can't see it, the team can't see the vision, which is an issue, but it happens. Uh, there are times where as a leader, you have to make the decision, even in the face of resistance, because you see the vision and you know where the organization needs to go. And if you use something like consensus, you basically have people contributing to a decision where they can't really see the destination. It'd be like taking directions as you drive from someone who really doesn't know where you're going. Okay. Can you, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Can you think of a specific example of when that, um, that might happen? For me, for me, it usually shows up where information transfers from one part of my business to another. So let's say uh, the, the famous and timeless uh, clash that happens between design and construction. And so you can, sometimes you'll get a craftsman who will say, why can't the drawings be this way? Or why is this designed this way? It doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Let's do mm-hmm. it this way. Mm-hmm. And they don't have an understanding of the context of the design process. And so they don't understand why the design ends up the way it ends up. Understand that if they could walk a mile in the designer's shoes, then they might better understand that. But since that's a very difficult thing to do, uh, they have a hard time. They, they, you couldn't trust them to make the decision in the field because they don't have enough context or, or, vision with the discussion with the client to really understand. So I broke that down to a smaller vision in terms of design, but, but business decisions can be the same way um, on, on the larger scale with the leader. Yeah. So as you're, as you're, uh, as you're um, discussing this, I'm thinking about, again, the direction. So if the vision is a very clear destination, which is, again, we talk about this almost every week, is that the, the, the leader's responsibility is to know where they're going and to have um, indicators when they get there, right? So if I'm driving to Columbus, I need to know where I'm going and I need to know what it looks like when I get there, right? So, or otherwise you, you don't know, you, you wouldn't know if you're on track or not. So as you're speaking to that, I'm thinking, okay, <coughs> excuse me. So if, vision, value, purpose, if I'm going to Columbus and I believe that somebody's about to make a decision um, that will result in us, you know, we're driving up 75 and they're about to take the exit for 74, which would derail us by 15 minutes or so, um, that I might make a command decision, right? Because it, because mm-hmm. the, the, the vision, value, purpose is it could be compromised for a period of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think know where you're, so you said the responsibility of the leaders to know where you're going and, and know kind of how to get there. I would add to that 
to communicate where you're going, right? Yeah. So you talk a lot about vision casting, and I think that's so important. And you might, I might be wrong about this, but you might be able to, an indicator of how well you're communicating the vision might be how often uh, we have to go to command decision versus collaborative decision. Sure. Because yeah. if we have to use command decisions because the team doesn't know where we're going often, we may be failing as leaders at communicating the vision. Yeah, and I, as I'm visualizing this, I'm thinking, okay, if I was sitting in my house in Newport, Kentucky with three other leaders and I, and I was trying to have a, uh, a consensus meeting with them uh, or, or make a consensus decision on the best way to get to Columbus, do we go, mm -hmm. do we start off? Because I, I can go up 71 or I can go up 75 for a while. Um, however, 75 will miss our target, but I could go 75 depending on what's going on on 71. So when I'm sitting at the, at the table, drinking a cup of coffee with three other leaders and I could say, Hey, we're, you know, we, we know where the destination is Columbus. Wh which way do you guys want to go first? Do you want to go 71 or do you want to go 75? And that could be a consensus. And then it's interesting. Um, if you hit, if you hit road work along the way, um, then it could switch to a collaborative where the consensus might not work anymore. For instance, Rebecca in the car, when you're driving around, um, you're, you know, there's different exits that you might be seeing where a command decision might be warranted. But if you're, if you're 10 miles from the next exit, maybe a, a, a collaborative uh, decision could be made um, or even convenience. And I, I, I think there's a, it's really interesting that the, the collaborative and the, the um, consensus um, allows you to build a relationship, right? Like the, the act of the collaborative discussion, the consensus discussion enables you to actually build a relationship. The command doesn't lend itself for that, does it? It depends on how it's communicated, I suppose. Yeah. Give me a, give me a for instance. Yeah. Well, if your team believes that you're simply making selfish decisions because you make a decision, but they don't, you, you don't communicate the reason or the why behind the decision, then they may see it as a selfish, you know, self-serving choice that only helps you. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't made with them taking them in consideration. Mm -hmm. And so I could see that as being damaging. It, it's, uh, yeah, as I'm thinking more about it, I think about a lot of the business owners I work with and many of them, one of the struggles is everything comes to me. I have to make all the decisions. People won't make decisions on their own. And, and very often in the beginning, they're saying that in a, in a sort of an accusation, they're, they're saying my people suck, right? Because <laughs> they won't yeah. make decisions on their own. Yeah. And when you start to break it down as leaders, that very often happens because we make too many command decisions without input from others and without making it clear about why we're making those decisions. And the visualization that I use for a lot of business owners, because I hate them uh, driving up east, I love the east, northeast, you know, but uh, I hate toll roads, not because I have to pay for them, but because I have to go through toll booths, which are the most ridiculous thing left over from another time. 
but a, a highway will go from four lanes to two toll booths so that you can get through it. Or even if there's four lanes and four toll booths, you have to slow down to five miles an hour and go through a toll booth in an otherwise 60 mile an hour environment. It's really irritating to someone like me. Yeah. But the visualiz visualization I try to use with uh, business owners is that when you make all the command decisions, you become the toll booth and your people are flying along doing their jobs and then they have to check in with you. And then they get up to speed again and then they have to check in with you again. And then they get up to, and this recurs over and over. And you're complaining that they come back to you for decisions, but you never give them the ability to just drive without you. And so when we make a lot of command decisions as leaders, we basically train our people to stop by our desk every time to get an okay before they move on. So uh, that, that, that's why I started thinking that first the question you ask, which is ask those around you, how often do you make each of these is a powerful start. And then understanding how often we bring that toll booth effect on ourselves. Like everything has to go across our desk and get checked because we're always the decision maker, either because yeah. we don't trust others to make it or whatever the reason. Um, we kind of bring that on ourselves many times. Yeah, that's good. And uh, the term that comes to mind is micromanager, right? The micromanager yeah. is going to be uh, consistently a command decision maker, disproportionate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really good. That's really, really yeah. good. So, um, what do you think the keys are? I would, I, I would bet most of our friends, uh, present company included, struggle with um, a disproportionate amount of command decisions in their, in their, with their leadership. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And so I'm going to return the favor of putting on the spot and just ask you, what makes you uncomfortable about not making command decisions and putting the decision in, let's say, go to number three, consensus. What makes you uncomfortable about a consensus decision or even even allowing just a team member to make the decision on their own? As a business yeah. owner, what is it that makes you uncomfortable? Yeah, so two things. One would be if um, if I'm concerned about uh, my... Um, leadership being compromised. Like if I, if I believe that I'm the leader and I need to be the ultimate authority making these decisions. So if I want, um, it's interesting, we've got a, such a cultural challenge with leadership and authority um, and submission. So it, I'll just say this just for lightning rod effect. If I, if I want, if I want people to submit to my leadership now, I don't say this out loud because it sounds terrible, but I think it. So if I want them to submit to my leadership, um, that would be a reason. That might be a reason for me. Um, so when you, get, when you get Jerry the bad leader, I would think that I, I want these people to not kiss my ring, but to, to respect the authority figure that, um, respect the authority that I have as the owner. Does would you that wrap sense? that up? Would you wrap that up as ego? Pride and ego for sure. hundred percent. Okay. It is. Yeah. Okay. For sure it is. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Clarity. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I have that visceral. Now, I've learned to navigate that. I'm 52, but I viscerally, I feel that. I don't say it, um, mm-hmm. but I feel it. So my my default would be, um, um, you know, I, I, I want I want the I want those in my charge to respect my uh, the authority that I have in my position. That would be a reason why. Um, mm-hmm. A another reason why would be, like I said, if I thought that, um, and this is difficult, is that if I think if I think I've already I've already been there, done that. So if I've already tried that, last week we talked about being resourceful. And so mm-hmm. when, a, when a younger person, newer to our company, when a newer person to our company comes up with an idea, um, so they're being resourceful, and I'm making a decision, um, it's very, again, it's very quick for, it's very easy for me to make a quick command decision because I know the backstory of all the previous decisions I've made over the past, you know, whatever years, 30 years. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so ego and I already know ego, pride and overwhelm, I think are the three that come to mind. Like if I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed and I, you know, um, I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. Ego, pride and overwhelm. So again, taking safety off the, off the table. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 I agree. So I put you on the spot, but I'll answer the same question because what comes to mind for me is I'm a, I, you know, my sort of tongue in cheek, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist and I say recovering because it sounds like I'm doing something about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the struggle for me is I want it done. I want the result that I want. And by the way, you should get the result the way I would get it because I'm always right. Yeah. And and I think I, I said it very bluntly, you said as a lightning rod, and I said that very bluntly for the same effect, yeah. is that many of us feel that way, but we won't admit it quite that candidly or that clearly. Sure. And one of the traps that leaders fall into is focusing more on how instead of the result, how you get the result versus getting the result. Because mm-hmm. as you and I both know, there's more than one way to skin that cat. Yeah. And being a, being a dog lover, I'm perfectly fine with that expression. But there's a um, there's something in me that says I want it perfect, which is ridiculous because no one's perfect. And I want you to do it specifically the way I would do it, which is also micromanagement, control. And it's because there's a fear that if I let you freelance, you might mess something up. So I think over the years, as I've searched my need to have the toll booth run through me. That's been it. Is I want to I want to micromanage and make sure that this is perfectly the way I want it. And ironically, over the past ten years, as I've struggled and worked to let go of that, that's when the people around me started actually stepping up and making decisions. So I still have work to do, but I think um, you know that's that's the fear. And there's also this one I still search myself on. I'm not sure if I'm guilty of it or not, but probably so. There's also the Superman effect that I see. Yes. Uh, and that is I'm, I'm Superman. Yeah. And if I empower you to make all these choices, now you're Superman and I want to be Superman. Yes. And so if I let go of too much, I got to give up my cape. And um, unfortunately, if we, you know, the desire of a lot of business owners is to have a business that can run without us. You know, I have that desire that my own business can operate every day without my direct input. 
And um, the tough part is it means I've got to take the cape off and let someone else wear it. That's really great. Or let, let no one wear it, you know. That's where I love the phrase that Jonathan Raymond put in his book, Good Authority, more, less Superman, more Yoda. Yes. And that's good. That's, yeah. that's such a great that reminder is. for me. The, 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 um, the phrase, lose the battle to win the war comes to mind. Like it, mm-hmm. when, when you're coaching people, Paul, um, um, and, and, and a leader's talking about things that are holding them back. Um, one of the pieces that I, that I would imagine is holding back a lot of us is our, un, our unwillingness to lose a battle to win the war. Do you agree with that? Um, I, I think I understand the spirit of what, the way you're saying it. So I would say yes. And, and what you're saying. So an example might be, um, and I, you may have used this term, um, last week or the week before is that is 80% if, 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 if a leader, if a, uh, somebody in your charge can execute the task or the craft at 80% of what you could do it. So I'm thinking of architects right now. So Brad Ewing's a phenomenal architect, great guy. If he's trying to scale his business and I probably shouldn't use him by name, but, um, but he is, he is a fantastic guy and he has a fantastic craftsman. If he's trying to scale his business, then somebody in his charge that could do that task at 80% of what he could do it. Um, I don't know if that's the same as lose the battle to win the war, but in this, in the context of this, um, maybe that he takes Joe and says, Hey, Joe can execute this drawing um, at 80% of what I can do. And gosh, this sounds so bad. I'll say this though. That's good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I think the good enough, as I say that, I'm cringing. Um, I think that might be something that holds us back. Well, I do use that 80%. So you may have heard that from me. And the reason that I do is that I believe that we as human beings overvalue um, ourselves un- unconsciously, even. Yeah. We overvalue. So we think that we're better at something than we are. Even, even you know, pick a pick a craftsman that we both know and you know, I don't have to name names. We can, I can think of sure. five right off the, right off the top of my head and they do an outstanding job at their craft. The fact that they're as good as they are at it makes it that much more difficult for them to trust someone else to do it. Wow. So the very thing they're good at gets in the way of them actually scaling their business. But the bottom line is in, in, the, in most cases, if you've got an apprentice who's 80% as good as you are, the truth is they're probably 95% as good as you are and your ego just won't let you see that they're that much, they're that close to you. So yeah. that's why I encourage people to pick the 80% and say, when they're at 80%, let them go. That's really, that's really uh, and, good. And yeah. No, that's really good. Cause I'm, I'm visualizing some of the younger guys that I'm working with and um, it's disproportionate early on. Like when they're newer to our company and I'm trying to onboard them, and it would probably be helpful if they heard me repeatedly say, hey, for the first few months, the first few years, the decisions that are going to be made are going to be command decision and, coll- and collaborative decisions. Um, you're, you're going to have to earn the right through uh, time, right? Perseverance, mm-hmm. time to, right. to uh, move into the, um, 
the consensus decision-making with me. And I think, again, casting a vision for people that you're trying to develop, people in your charge, um, that you're you're trying to grow them to the point where they know when to make a command decision. They know when to make a collaborative decision. They know when to make a consensus decision. Um, Right. As I'm talking to myself right now, that that's something that I need to do, is to, which I'm doing this week, interestingly enough, is that I'm learning about these four types of decisions. And then I'm trying to train my guys, teach my guys this week. And today's only Tuesday. And I can share with you on a, on a future conversation, but it's amazing. I've got 21 year olds to whatever year olds. I've got a lot of young guys and it's amazing to read their journal entries just yesterday on their awareness of when they're making these different types of decisions, um, which really gives me a lot of hope for their leadership development. It's really spectacular. Yeah. You just used a really powerful word in leadership and that's awareness. Mm. Yeah, that's true. You could be very open with people as you're onboarding them. I'm reminded of the, when I used to teach a, a photography class, I would always tell the class on day one, the first thing I'm going to do is teach you all the rules of photography. And then once you understand all those rules, then I'm going to teach you how to break them all. Gotcha. But if you don't first understand why these rules exist and why we do all these things, then you won't know the right time to break this one versus that one or that one versus this one. But as soon as you understand the foundational idea and the rules that exist, then you'll be able to intelligently make this decision. So to have a new employee come in and say, look, I know you're new. I'm going to make a lot of command decisions and you're just going to do what I ask of you. And I'm going to explain along the way why we're doing what we do. And then eventually I'm going to hand that baton to you. Once you've gained that awareness, that understanding of when it's the right time to do this versus that, then you get to do it. And that just that openness would be, uh, would be great. I wonder, Jerry, what the percentage is, but I bet it's a lot higher than it's a different topic, but yeah. a, a lot higher than most of us would like to admit. I wonder how many failed hires are the result of a poor onboarding process. Mm. Yeah, close to 100 percent in my case. Or let's just make it <laughs> let's let's just make it 100 percent. Yeah, for another time. That's a great that's a great topic that is uh, top of mind for me as well right now. So, I totally uh lost track of time i apologize we're over so i've got to jump fun as always yep, and uh, likewise. i'll report back to you jerry offline as to how my poll of how many of these decisions i make goes. i'll take up that challenge as well i'll do it myself all right thanks bud all right see you take care um, bye bye